This is Up Your RPG, helping you up your role-playing game. In this episode, getting into character. So you found an inspiration, created a backstory, and plugged in numbers that make sense. Now how, and when, do you take on the personality of this fictional person you've created? Let's get to it. Hello, thanks for joining us. As I said, uh, we are talking about getting into character tonight. I am joined, as always, by my cohorts on uh, Under the Library, Michael and Emily. And this week, we are joined by another Under the Library alum, Scott. Thanks, everybody, for joining us. Michael, take us away. Hey, yeah. Uh, I, I'm really excited about this episode because we get to kind of delve into how you're finding your perspective in the moment. And if we if we look at our current campaign, for example, uh, right, Emily and Scott are both playing kind of these adolescent coming of age figures, and they have their own kind of dilemmas. Uh, certainly, the the tension within the game and those kinds of challenges. But um, outside of that, just kind of their whole coming of age and that personality they take on. I think I've done a really wonderful job with that, and I. Love to hear like how uh, if one of you wants to take over, how you kind of get into that moment and find that headspace for performing that person. Emily, do you want to go first, or do you want me to? I can go. Sure. Uh, so this is not specific to my current character, but I'll start with just general. I was thinking about what I do in the beginning of a session to just remember who I am or who I am for the next couple of hours, at least. And I think that one thing that really helps me is just identifying a couple of traits that that character has that are very much in the forefront. And if I can commit to following those in the first couple of minutes, the other things will fall into place. And so for the character I'm playing now, Joe, the, I mean, the fact that she's, Young isn't the thing that's in the forefront so much as the fact that she is for perhaps optimistic, even when she shouldn't be. That's one thing that I tend to think about. And another is that she tends to be uh, curious to the point of self-destructiveness uh, at times, curious and Just impulsive. Self. What, what was that? Oh, oh. <laughs> Well, that didn't take long. Um, well, are we are we allowed to swear at Michael in this program or not? I, I, we have to we have to save it for the other one. Yes, yes. Yeah, you Sorry, make a save it for the program where you can kill us. I, I, I like that. And then I'll just add that this is something that really helps me as the person who gives the recaps, but perhaps it helps everyone else as the person, the people listening to the recaps. Once. I'm playing through in my head what happened last time. I can more easily flip right back into character because I'm already in that place thinking about and reliving decisions my character made. So that's something that if I'm not in a situation where there will be a recap at the beginning, I'll just want to sit down before a session and think what happened? What did I do? Where do I want to go? So I, I just have a question, uh, a follow-up question on that. How did you determine what those couple characteristics are? 
And do they ever change, or do you do you envision keeping those two things consistent throughout the campaign? Uh, I don't. I have not decided on consistency because that would feel limiting. Uh, they've been the same so far. She's that those were still some of the main traits in the character that I designed initially. Like those were things starting out that I knew I wanted my character to have. And then I kind of built things around them. Uh, And there were, there were multiple reasons for those traits relating to what she'd been through and how she was still going to be able to exist in life going forward. But um, they certainly could change. They haven't yet. Okay. So you consider those sort of core characteristics. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Are there limits to that optimism? Just asking for a friend. (laughs) Oh, don't tell him. Yep. (laughs) I don't know yet. (laughs) So, um, Scott, what about you? Yeah. So it's interesting. Like it, it, Emily. It's great because I can hear that you've got like a process, and and there's like it, it. I can hear that coming through. And for me, I mean, I you know I was talking to Artie earlier today, and I said like. I'm just an idiot who shows up with my friends. Like, so from my perspective, like gaming is not like as much as I game, it's because I'm with people that I love and care about and not because I'm a gamer. And so my perspective is always different and I bring that to the characters. And so in the early days when I was just getting into D and I played when I was a kid and then I came back to it, you know, maybe 12 years ago. I didn't remember when the hell we started. And for at that point, it was just like creating interesting characters and do it like just sort of dicking around. And then eventually what I learned and realized is and I actually think this happened when we were playing um, Strahd is like, if I don't care about my characters, it's not fun playing them. And so basically, maybe after I don't remember which character it was, but I started only creating characters that I sort of love and that I, I care about. And so when I'm getting into that character, I feel like like in that brief period of time, I'm telling their story and then I'm trying to be respectful and honor the story I want to tell. And so, you know, when I think about Yocker or I, you know, who's this, he was this guy who sort of was just trying his hardest to get along in a world where he just didn't quite fit. He wasn't really comfortable, but he just kept trying his hardest because he wanted to preserve his space and his town in these things that he cared about. And I initially had a backstory for him that felt really Call of Cthulhu-y. And eventually I was like, no, fuck that. I, I don't care about that. That's not the story for him I want to tell. And when I started to be more respectful of the story I did want to tell, he was just someone who really cared deeply about these people that were from his town. And that's what he wanted to preserve. And he completely failed at it, but it's because it's Call of Cthulhu. And then... You know, with Kali, it's like I created this character who's just this lost child in this world. And he had like one chance at hope. He thought he had one chance at hope. And then Michael killed his one chance at hope. (laughs) Or at least the game mechanic (laughs) killed his one chance at hope. And, you know, and to be honest, like if. Like in, in being very cognizant, and I'll be honest here, like he doesn't have, you know, Kali doesn't have the relationship that he has with Joe. I don't know that Kali would have stuck around because there's no reason for me to, right? Like there's an intrinsic motivation for me playing him that he's, he's looking for a way out of the straits, right? He's looking for a way out of the space that is just so awful for him. So when I'm playing Kali, that's who I am. That's how I'm thinking and feeling. And 
if I don't have a motivation, like I'm not out there, like I'm going to do this because like Kali's just like, screw this. I'm done. Like the world sucks and it's over. But because he has Joe, it's like, Hey, maybe there's one more possibility here. So again, that kind of motivation for me is what makes it interesting because the gaming aspects, I don't really care about. Like it's never about winning or losing for me. It's never about the game mechanics. I don't care about any of that shit. It's for me, it's about sort of connecting with you guys who I care about and I love. And then it's about getting into these characters that I can sort of be engaged with and then express different sort of aspects of my life and truth. So, so I do want to say what you did with Yocker really came through. And I think the proof of that is in the, the final scene of our first season, because it was very clear to my character what you cared about to Florence. And that is why she was willing to try to protect you and ended up losing her own life. That's great. Because you know? yeah. Florence wasn't just like giving to everyone. She did not have much patience, for instance, for Phil, for Philip Donner. <laughs> but for the people that cared. That's fair. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, just just say it. No, like it wasn't an equal opportunity self-sacrifice. Yeah. It was for another person in the town that was worth sacrificing for. Because really quickly, sorry guys, no, I, keep keep going. Go. Just really quickly, like it, what I love about that is again, understanding the character and getting to the character means that you don't become a caricature for that character. You know what I mean? So in other words, I'm someone who cares about people. So I'm going to care about everyone and everything. And it's like, maybe, but more likely you, 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 in real life, we pick and choose who we care about. We pick and choose who we engage with, what we, what we do. And so when you understand your character, because you're playing them with some truth, then you can make a choice like, no, you suck. I'm not going to do anything for you. You're great. I'm going to do what I can to help you. And that comes from a place of real honesty, right? When I, you brought up something that was really curious to me because we always kind of think of characters as leaving either when they're kind of transported out by mechanics, right? So either a death or like in season one, when uh, Wayne's character got pulled through the portal, um, those kinds of things. Would you, if you lost the motivation for Cully, or let's say Cully lost his motivation to yeah. stick around, would you consider that like time to move on to a new character? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because his, his Cully's story will be told, right? Like it, again, that's if if I go back to my underlying motivation, it's not it's to be with you guys and then to tell a story. Okay, and from a storytelling perspective, Cully's story is over. Right. In his mind, whether that's true or not, you know, he's a 15 year old who acts like a 15 year old and his his perceptions of the world are very much colored by who he's with and what happens to him. And so, yeah, if if Joe goes away, if something happens to Joe, he's got the last shreds of his reason to be doing all this are gone. So why would he stick around? That's would, really he, he, he would ju- like again, he would become a caricature of himself. And that's the last thing I ever want to do with my characters. That's pretty fascinating because I think that we kind of get into this mindset that we have to play somebody until they're forced out of the game, right? Like they have to die off or they have to leave, you know, but to to kind of look at your character as 
having this opportunity or this agency of decision making to leave the or exit the game when their story's done uh, makes it more compelling. All right, well, I want to flip this. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Emily. Oh, I was just going to add that we sort of had that in one of our games. I mean, with Chris's character in our fishy one off that was like an eight week, 10 week off. Um, <laughs> it was clear that the game was wrapping up and I don't know if he would have done this otherwise, but his character, his plot line took him out of town and left the rest of us to die there. You know? Yeah, which is a great point, right? He was looking out for himself, which is... He was a bounty hunter. He had his bounty. He left. (laughs) And that was a mother's... That was our playthrough of A Mother's Love. And he wants to go listen to it. Uh, It's pretty fascinating, that that turn of events. Um, I just want to... Before we move on, Michael, I know you've got a question for me, but I had a question for Scott first. Um, Specifically about... Cully, and so this hasn't happened, so I hope this isn't spoilery for any future um, episodes, but would you consider Cully's motivation changing and um, uh, turning to some sort of revenge? Or do you think that his story, that just doesn't make sense for his story? Yeah, I I mean, nothing about Kali has been vengeful, right? Mm -hmm. Nothing about Kali. He's, he's a kid who's beaten down by life and by experience. And his time with Richard was about starting to get rebuilt. And none of that would turn him into a vengeful person. Like he just, he wouldn't have the faculty for it. Like he's not, you know, if I played him as like a street tough, who was like, he's going to kick anyone's ass who he can find. And Richard's trying to direct that. Yeah, that's a kid who'd be going for revenge. But well, you know, let's, Kali was lost. Let's change. Let's change the term revenge to um, to an idea of solving what happened to Richard, and that being the motivation. And if it's you know it, what, what I'm kind of getting at is that I, I think it's a it's a fascinating way to play a character. My if that were me, I would find a way to change motivation. But I love the idea of you saying to yourself, you know what? This doesn't fit with my character. Yeah. This is where yeah, his I- story would end because of this. And then that character walking away. I mean, I think it's fascinating. Yeah. Um, but I, I, so I wouldn't, I, I don't think because I'm not playing color that way and I don't think of him that way. That's mm-hmm. not as, that's not the narrative I'm building for him. It would just, it sort of would make sense. That would be way too much deus ex machina for me. Mm-hmm. So what I would rather do like I've thought of one or two other characters that I think fit really well and that fit with some of the characters that we've introduced. So mm-hmm. I, I, there are other, like there's another story that I think would be really fun to tell and that would fit with where I feel like potentially the next phase of the story is going. Um, Cause the other thing that's interesting to me is, you know, I tend to think about the broader context for the game, right? So we're in a, a, a town where bad things are happening and the dogs are out and all this kind of crap is happening. That's going to create sort of its overall energy, right? The, its overall view of things. So if I introduce another character, they're not going to come in Pollyanna and just like, what's happening? I don't know. They're going to come in and be like, God, there's been some crazy shit going on. You know, I, I heard you guys are doing something about it. Like there's a natural motivation to bring another character in and the person seeking that because we're now in the middle of things is very different than Kali who got caught up in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that's a great um, lesson for folks um, that, and I, honestly, it's a lesson for me 
um, that you don't have to have a character who starts and plays in the campaign until either the campaign is over or the character's killed. Um, there are other story arcs and other possible outcomes for your character. Uh, I think that's really fascinating. Michael, you were going to ask a question. Yeah, when I think about the characters you play, um, that uh, there's really kind of often big swings between kind of traits and personalities. And I'm curious, I, I, maybe what's been the easiest character for you to get into and why? And then a follow-up and what's been the most challenging and then how did you rectify that? And did you change something about the character or did you just kind of end that? Uh, in that character span in the campaign. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I think that that um, what you're getting at with, with characters changing uh, goes to what I was just saying with Scott, is that I, I never... So I, I tend to do more of what Emily does, where I, I, I pick a few things that are the, those sort of core bits of that character and then go forward with that. And I let the the other parts of the narrative stuff that the other characters are doing um npc interactions um plot points sort of let that character grow and evolve throughout the story uh, so that's why i when i was thinking about scott and cully the way i would approach that if i were playing cully is that i would have him sort of change his motivation to go from okay you know I, my cully's life was or Coley's motivation was to try to get out of the straits. But now that that's been cut off, he's now, that's an inflection point for him. And he is now motivated by uh, writing the wrong that happened to Richard. Um, and not that there's a right or wrong either way there. Um, I, I just think it's fascinating that, there, that there's two very different ways to play that same scenario. Um, but I think that my characters tend to um, be a little more reactive and a little more moldable, um, which I, I don't, <laughs> I'm going to actually reconsider now a little bit based on what Scott just said, uh, because I think that's really fascinating to have a, a, a more, um, a more directed character. Um, but in terms of getting into it, um, I, I think recently, uh, especially with our Call of Cthulhu stuff, what has gotten me quickest into character is doing a voice um and i think that harold was my favorite voice because i just think that accent is so ridiculously fun um so it was super easy for me to just remember a couple words and then pop into that character um and same thing very similar um with franny um she's got a pretty distinctive voice i'm guessing that if you were to go back and just listen to the whole thing it probably changes southern accents throughout the whole thing (laughs) but whatever um you know it's more about the feeling for me than than what actually comes out um and then as i said following up on what emily said i I just sort of pick those couple motivations uh you know she's really trying to to learn about her great uncle great 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 uncle harold um and that's really her main focus and now she's becoming uh you know sort of she feels responsible for these other people that have been dropped into her life um and that she's had this sort of shared trauma with um so those are really her main focuses so i just sort of drop into voice those two things and then i i sort of react beyond that I wondered if someone would mention accents because 
I feel like that would really, really help. And I don't have the confidence to do them. So therefore it's harder. Like, I feel like if you were dropping into a voice that you had prepared that was linked to a character, there would just be a mental connection that was like, oh, that's who I am now. Mm -hmm. And it seems like that's the case. Yeah, it is. Um, And honestly, I'm really worried about what happens with my next character because I've already used all of the accents that I can do. So I really don't know where I'm going next. Um, Emily, you only have to have confidence to do them badly because that's, you know, I like literally with Yocker, I had to change his accent because I realized that I was taking on the accents of everyone around me. And so I so worked great. it into Yocker, if you remember. His yeah, it was fantastic. And so then he would be talking to Fr- he would be talking to Harold and he would get this and then he'd be talking to someone else. Like, and that was mostly me making fun of myself because I, you know, I go from accent to accent to accent, like mm-hmm. just not even intentionally. So, but who gives a shit? Cause it's fun. Yeah. But H- Harold's accent, certainly like I think about that accent and I almost feel like I could be Harold, right? Like he just like that melded so seamlessly. Yeah, perfect. Who's, who's been more challenging for you? to get uh, into definitely franny um okay. you know it, she's female first of all um and that accent is a little tough um for me uh, I, and i also feel it's a little disingenuous because we're in the the southwest and that, that's more of a southeast accent and um so it, that's been a challenge so i i think that um it, that process of of getting into her um and, and starting to to feel like Franny uh, takes a little bit more. Whereas Harold, I could just say some goofy word in that, that crazy Fargo accent. And, and I was off. Um, and he also had the, the easy motivation of, uh, you know, his wife having died. So he, he had a little more built out backstory, which I don't have as much with Franny in terms of a personality. I've got a backstory for her motivation, but not for who she is, uh, which I think makes it a little harder to get into character. The more backstory I have, the more idea I have of who my character is, the easier it is. I don't have an accent to help me, but the more I know, the more I can be that character. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that night, Chris gave us the whole backstory for his character and started linking up all the family. And what would, yeah. I was like, well, I mean, you could you could see, you, you knew what this character would do based on how it was almost effortless how he linked everything together. That was really impressive to me. Um, and, but it also made me, it made it easier as a GM to interact with his character too. Right. Mm-hmm. Cause he had, he had fleshed out his family so well that when I played his brother, which right, we all had it just kind of happened in the moment. Yeah. Um, I, I kind of was able to imagine that relationship just on all the facts he gave us and the links he gave us. That was pretty impressive. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, uh, do we have any closing thoughts? Uh, well, we didn't get to uh, the part about when it's appropriate and when it's not appropriate to get into character, um, which I think is really interesting. Um, and we've had some moments that have been really funny, especially with Rick staying in character when we are talking about out of character things. Um, but I, I'll just say that uh, I think that that's something that takes getting used to your group um, and getting used to the flow of your group to know when to sort of drop into the character. And I would say it, when in doubt, be in character. 
uh, because you'll make decisions that are from your character's perspective and not from the sort of metagaming perspective if you're trying to think through your character's eyes. Mm, I like that. And just related to that really quickly, I I think also there's an element of trust in this. And again, you know, I've talked before about how I wouldn't just go game with other people. And, you know, there's a line that I've heard from gamers that we sort of have never said, but I've heard it from other groups, which is that's what my character would do. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I feel like people use that as an excuse for bad behavior and sort of just acting like an asshole. And then they're like, well, that's what my character would do. And it's like, you know, when when you've got a character that you got, from my perspective, care about, you've built something. If they have an intrinsic motivation to do something bad, and we've had characters in our games do bad stuff, especially in D&D, it fits the character, right? Think about the stuff that Bunt did in our last campaign. Mm-hmm. It fits his character. He built him up to that. He would, he turned out to be an evil guy in a lot of respects, but also one with the right motivation to bring that through. And the guy that we were with, Gene, played it perfectly from that respect. Mm-hmm. So this wasn't just someone being an asshole and just trying to pass it off as what the character would do. The motivation was there and the character was there to support it. I think that's a that's kind of a great closing thought and it's going to put a wrap on this week's session of Up Your RPG. Thanks for joining us. You can always find us at upyourrpg.com. Hopefully we've contributed to your game. Now go find a table. <laughs>